Philippians chapter 3. <coughs> Philippians chapter 3. And we started these fifth Sunday singings. The elders requested there be a devotional during the time, and something, a verse the Lord's been laying on my heart, I actually mentioned it this morning in the message, but Philippians 3 and verse number 1, we'll read a few more verses, but let's just start with verse number 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, to write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. But he starts out here with his finally, and I've always heard preachers laugh, he say that Paul must have been a Baptist because he begins his conclusion about halfway into the letter. But as he comes, he actually makes two conclusions um, in Philippians. But the first is this, finally, my brethren, <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. One thing that's so powerful about this statement is when you understand where Paul is writing from. He is not at a happiest moment in his life. He's not in the most successful moment of his ministry. He had started the church in Philippi on his second missionary journey. It's the second church that he established, or actually the first church, rather, that he established in, the, um, in Europe when he first went to the continent, and we'll learn about that in our next children's sermon. But um, first church established in Europe was the church at Philippi. Um, later, Luke, Dr. Luke, became its pastor for a little while. But he's writing to the church. It's not a church that he had to address a lot of problems with in the same way of Corinth and others. But he writes them, he is in Rome in prison. And so during this time, you would think they would get a somber letter or a sad letter or, you know, down in the dumps, y'all have all forgotten me, woe is me, somebody needs to send me an encouraging letter and help me here. And what does he do? He does show gratefulness to them, but he keeps telling them to rejoice. The guy in prison is saying rejoice. Um, when you are at a low place and you can find some joy and you can turn it all around and start encouraging someone else, um, you have found a powerful place to be. I think about Joseph who is in stocks. And as you read about Joseph, you find a man who's encouraging, a man who him not being joyful was an odd thing. Um, when I would think that him being unhappy would be the norm and being joyful would be the odd thing. But when we have the right perspective, and Paul gives them the right perspective, there's four things, just real quickly, that we can see in this um, command, and he repeats it a little later in the book. The first thing we see is the object of our rejoicing. People may tell us today, and I mean, I've heard teaching <clears throat> along these lines, read things along this line, that, um, you know, if you're at a low spot in your life, you need to find accomplishments that you have done in your life. Think about your accomplishments. Think about great things you've done. Think about high points in your life. Think about all these great things. <clears throat> but Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances, because we can have bad circumstances that are not worth rejoicing in, right? 
I mean, you know, there's the person that always sees the cup as half full, and that person's going to be always looking for the bright side of things. Oh, well, this may be bad, but here's all the benefits. Um, There was a time in my life where I saw everything that way. No matter how bad it was that happened, I was always seeing the sunny side, always just Mr. Positive. And there came a point in my life where I got wore down enough that I negative. I found out that my always see the positive side had worn down. It took years to do, but it finally, I, that finally got worn down. Of course, there's also the people that say, oh, well, as I've already said, list your accomplishments and things. But look what Paul continues in. He says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. He said, no, I don't find my confidence in that. In other words, we're not going to rejoice in the flesh. Great things we can accomplish. Look at verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. He said, let me list some things I could start bragging about. He said, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. He said, let anybody else list their credentials. I can brag bigger circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Um, We talked about that in children's service uh, when we talked about the conversion of Paul. He was of the stock of Israel. He was in one of those high class, well, not necessarily wealth-wise, but as far as being a Pharisee, he's in the most strict, very religious classes in Israel. He is circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm as Jewish as you can get, he's saying, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He says, you could not find a place to accuse me of breaking the law. Although, you know, I think technically him going out and gathering up Christians to get them killed, um, you know, but... I guess it wasn't against Jewish law at the time, so you couldn't actually hold it against him. He said, but what things were gained to me, I used to count those as gain, those I counted loss for Christ. He had actually turned from all of those things, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, remember he's in prison, and do count them but dung. That's, you know, the dirty stuff on the barn floor where the cow is, that I may win Christ. He says, I don't lift those things up. He said, I don't count those. My rejoicing is in Christ. Look at verse 9. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection from the dead. What is he saying? He's holding up all of his good things that in the flesh he could have gloried in, that he could find rejoicing in, and he said, no, all of those I counted dung. That was just manure off the barn floor. He said, I've put all those aside. His rejoicing is in Christ. 
in the Lord. Because notice he says, rejoice in the Lord. So when we get down in the dumps, when things are going difficult, <clears throat> and when things are difficult in our life, when things are going bad, we may not be able to rejoice in our circumstances. And don't start bringing up the high points of your life. Bring up Christ. Rejoice in him. So we see the object of our rejoicing. Our joy comes from him. But then secondly, <clears throat> there is a distraction from our rejoicing. And that's what we just read here. His distraction is all these other things that we could list in life to find joy in. Um, we can find great joy as husbands in our wives. Our wives can find joy in husbands. Our, we can find joy as parents in our children. As children find joy in our parents. We can find joy in one another at church, but none of these places is the place where we're supposed to find our joy. Paul's in prison. He is not at church today. Paul is alone, but he says, today I rejoice in the Lord, and he's challenging the church to do the same. <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord, not in the flesh. So the object of our rejoicing is Christ. <clears throat> A distraction from our rejoicing is everything else. And then number three, if you look over at verse four, we see the frequency of our rejoicing. Chapter four, rather, and verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord when things are going great. Rejoice in the Lord when you're happy. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Nope, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. <clears throat> there is not a time in which we cannot rejoice in the Lord. In the midst of a death in the family, in the midst of a loss, in the midst of sorrow, or in prison as Paul was, we can always rejoice in the Lord. And that's what I was so irritated about yesterday when I was walking out of the grocery store and there was something I was dealing with and I just was not happy about it. I wanted to be miserable. I just wanted to be irritated. And as I'm walking out of the grocery store and across the parking lot, I remembered this afternoon's devotional. Rejoice in the Lord. Because I thought, I don't feel like rejoicing when that scripture came through my mind. And then I was reminded what the object of my worship, of my um, rejoicing is. It's not in my circumstance, but it's in the person of Jesus Christ. And I can rejoice in him right now. And Jesus and I had a conversation about how I wasn't in the mood to do that. But as the evening went on, God dealt with me. So what is the frequency of our rejoicing? <clears throat> it is always, there's never a time that you and I have a good enough excuse to really waller in our misery. Waller, that's a good Southern term. Um, I have been a person that has had times where I've struggled with depression. Um, and I don't like to hear this message when I'm depressed because I want to be able to say there's no way out of this. Let me just be miserable for a little while. But the reality of it is every one of us, no matter our circumstances, can learn to rejoice in the Lord. So that is always, that is the frequency of our rejoicing. And so we've talked about the object, the distraction from our rejoicing, the frequency of our rejoicing, and last of all, <clears throat> the emphasis. My dad always told me growing up, if God says it once, it's important and it's true. If God says it twice, pay attention. If he says it three times, you better listen. Okay, so Paul's already said once, rejoice in the Lord. And now you come to chapter 4, verse 4. He says it again, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, and again, if you weren't paying attention the first two times, again I say, rejoice. 
So three times it has been said, and we read it this morning in 2 Corinthians 13. What did Paul say? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. So what is the thing this evening? It is we need to rejoice in the Lord. Our rejoicing is supposed to be constant and to make sure we got it from prison, Paul says three times. Rejoice in the Lord. And if you study, um, if you read through all of Philippians, he actually uses the word rejoice um, I think it's translated joy a couple times. One, two, three, four, five, six. He says it seven times. Some have said that Philippians is the happiest book in the Bible, and it was written from prison. So <clears throat> can we rejoice in our circumstances? Absolutely. So he leaves the church at Philippi with this conclusion, with the first of his two conclusions is rejoice in the Lord. So I just challenge you, we can rejoice in the Lord this week in all of our circumstances, no matter what's going on, we can turn our eyes to the Lord. And now we're going to sing a hymn.